Well, hello and welcome back to Noah's Window. Uh, again, we're, we're staying in the story of Elijah. In, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah calls all the people up to the top of Mount Carmel along with all the Baal, prophets of Baal, and he sets up this scenario. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is kind of, uh, I think, maybe the high point of Elijah's life. And like I've always said, I love the story of Elijah. And I want to see these things when I get to heaven on video. But of course, this is, this is the big moment. As we talked about yesterday, Israel, the northern kingdom, is steeped in idolatry. They have the wickedest king uh, that they've ever had. His name is Ahab. His wife's name is Jezebel. She was more wicked than he was. In fact, she was a complete pagan. He was Jewish. She should have known better, but he married a complete pagan. And she kind of pulled him away from any, any semblance of worshiping God. So Israel had been led into the worst kind of idolatry. In fact, the Bible tells us they even worshiped the god uh, Molech, in which the pagans who worshiped Molech burned their children alive. Many times uh, this god was a big round god with a hollowed out belly that really was a furnace. So the kind of uh, stuff that Israel was in was just extraordinarily wicked. Uh, and I'm sure that Ahab and Jezebel had their complete devotees we know that there were 850 preachers on the payroll of Baal. But it's important for us to remember, and I think this is really critical for our times, Mary Alice, that even though there would have been some extreme worshipers of idols like Jezebel and Ahab and their crowd, there was this soft, doughy middle in Israel that had the idea that they could somehow worship God Jehovah and that they could go to the Baal festivals and participate in the idolatrous worship and the wickedness there. So they were they were kind of back and forth. I mean they they weren't they weren't bell worshippers enough to completely leave God behind, but they definitely were not God worshippers. We might talk a little bit about, you know, I think it's so foreign to our mindset in modern day about the bell worship and the idol worship. And I think maybe we can describe that a little bit because it's a whole lot like a a, a big party, a lot of sexual immorality. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing of it is, the, the idols that were back in Bible times typically represented something that people have wanted for all ages. It might be sex, it might be prosperity, it, it might be good fortune. I mean, if you just think about the gods that people worship without the front of an idol today, that's what these idols represented back in the days. Mm -hmm. So Elijah, uh, does something, he challenges that soft, doughy middle. He, he, he challenges the bell worshipers to a meeting up on top of the mountain. And he said, we're going to set up two altars here and we're going to have a contest and you worshipers of Baal, you put your sacrifice on the altar but with no fire. And he said, I'll put my uh, a sacrifice on the altar to God, Jehovah God and we'll pray and the one who answers by fire he is God but the the thing that we're talking about today is that Elijah asked a question of the people in the middle there he said how long will you vacillate between two opinions, two opinions. and and it, it makes all the sense in the world because he then said if God is God then worship God Jehovah if Baal is God then worship Baal. I mean, if Baal is God don't mess with Jehovah worship but if Jehovah is God what are you doing over there with those idols which takes us back to a quest for truth, I believe. Because, you know, in our culture, just thinking about our culture today, we have all kinds of opinions. And, and, and you know, you, you'll hear this, we are polarized between two particular opinions on most subjects. And uh, I think the Christians are, are feel torn. And I've even had Christians come to me and say, you know, sometimes these arguments are so strong, I, I, I begin to question myself. 
what, what truly is right. Well, I wonder sometimes if the arguments are all that strong or if it's just there's so many people mm-hmm. on that side. You know? Or a lack of understanding of what the Bible actually says. Well, that's says, true, too. Or, or that's what, true. You know, uh, who God really is and what He has declared and what and where He is. I mean, that's it. Where, where is God on these on these whatever it is that divides the, these opinions. Well, you know what happened on top of Carmel is the, back then in in Elijah's time is exactly what's happening today. I shared some statistics a few weeks mm-hmm. ago in which less than ten percent of American Christians have a biblical worldview, which mm-hmm. tells me we have that soft, doughy middle today. People that claim to worship God, people that claim to know Christ, and yet at the same time they have the belief systems that are imported from the world. And so Elijah said, "Enough of that. It's time to call the question. It's time to meet on top of Mount Carmel." One more thing I find interesting, Ralph. I'd like to get your take on this. When Elijah asked that asked the crowd, "How long will you vacillate between two opinions?" The Bible answers. The Bible says they answered not a word. They didn't mm-hmm. have an answer for this, and mm-hmm. that surprises me because they didn't have an answer for the obvious question. And yet, somehow they reconciled it in their mind that they could do both things. I think well, that's it. I, yeah. That is that is so uh, hard to comprehend. You know, it's like um, it's like this can be red or it can be purple. And I can make that, you know, argument. You know, reality and truth are real, and um, and that's where God lives. He lives in truth. He is truth. And so I think, you know, in in this modern time, I think the greatest um, uh, source of confusion for Christians who really do think they're kind of doing the right thing is lack of knowledge of this book, mm-hmm. because this is our plumb line. This is where we can go to determine what uh, where God stands on things. And if we don't know this book, then we would be we'll be caught up in whatever the the tides and the um, the the winds of doctrine, as the New Testament talks about. We'll be caught up in that if we're not careful. So we need to have rock solid truth that we can build our lives on. Well, it is amazing to me how many things in the Bible uh, are are twos. You know, you have Cain and you have Abel. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Jacob and you have Esau. You have the thief that were on the cross that repented, the thief that didn't repent. You know. Throughout the Bible, the choice is set up between two, not among three or among ten, but between two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we read in the Old Testament, I set before you the way of death and life, choose life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what Elijah is saying to the people of Israel. And he's saying to us today, choose, choose. Don't, don't mm-hmm. be in the soft, doing middle. You know, it might feel comfortable to find some kind of middle point with the world or with Satan. But, you know, I preached a sermon several years ago called Never Meet the Devil Halfway. Mm-hmm. And that's what was going on in Israel. And Elijah challenged them to make the choice. That's right. And that's what we need to do today, too, is to make the choice to serve God and to follow Him and not be caught up in the, the uh, tides of our culture and their influence on us. So I know that's a challenge for all of us. So It is a challenge. But at the same time, there's such a harvest of blessing if we will choose to go God's way. Because at the end of the day, this is what Elijah knew. He, he knew he was one prophet of God against 850 false prophets of Jezebel. But he knew her God wasn't real. Mm-hmm. And he knew he was going to win. He and he was okay being That's one right. against 850. And, and I don't like being in the minority any more than anyone else does. But if I'm going to be in the minority that wins, I need to remember that. And we are going to win. We are, yeah, we're going right. to win because he's going to win and we're with him. So as we're um, talking with our newest window audience today, I know that... Um, 
that's a challenge for all of us. And it takes us back to uh, being prayerful and studying our word, studying the word of God. So as we look at that today, Mark, would you lead us in prayer? I sure will. Lord, it gets harder every day. Uh, the pressures against us. I mean, when we stand for truth, we're called haters, bigger, bigots. We're called, you know, all kinds of things by the culture at large. But yet, we believe your word is true, Father. We do stand with you, and we know that you will win. And so, we're comfortable, even though we may be in the minority today. We're comfortable standing with you. I'll pray that you'll give us the strength to continue to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I know um, that God's going to use us to. Uh, help influence people for him uh, even today That's right. we are. so i hope that was a blessing to you today and we'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow we've got more to talk about on this subject here on noah's window so we'll see you tomorrow see you tomorrow god bless <laughs>